0: Dear beloved and friends, let us continue to worship our Lord with the Word of God. Will you turn your Bible with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. For those of you at home as well, for others of you, you may refer to the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. At all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. Verse 13. By the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Well, they long for you and pray for you because the surpassing grace of God appoints you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Now let's come before our Lord in prayer. That we may hear the word, O God, who is merciful and gracious, to give us Your word, that we may hear, that we may know You, and more so, Lord, that we may live a life that is pleasing to You, holy and acceptable, to be set apart. From the world. And so, Lord, deal bountifully with us this morning. May your Holy Spirit impress upon us your very word. Speak to us that we may do what is necessary to please you and to glorify you indeed. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Now, there is this conventional wisdom saying whoever said money can buy happiness. Isn't spending it right? Now I may mean, surprise even the skeptics, some of you here. But when you agree with that saying, in some ways and some degree, you also agree with Jesus saying, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Now Jesus wants his people to be happy. Definitely, he wants the people to be cheerful. And the way to be cheerful is directing the treasure, their treasure and their hearts, towards God. Most tangibly, the Bible teaches and encourages God's people to practice giving to His church, the body of Christ. Now giving generously in monthly, uh, in, mo- in monthly offerings or special gifts for gospel projects would direct our hearts towards God. Now, however, some of us may feel and think either too little or think and feel too much about money. And the Bible, and especially the the Apostle Paul here, have something to say about that. To the Church of Corinth in our text today, God's Word has something to say to two groups of, of people specifically. The first group is those who view too lowly. About money, they handle money too loosely, casually, even haphazardly without any planning at all. The second group is those who view money too highly. They hold money tightly, exactingly, and calculated, expecting every cent to yield optimum return of investment or why. Which group are you in? which group are you in? Too low view, loosely, or too high view and tightly? Now, if you say you are in between or you have no view about money, perhaps last week and today's sermon may surprise and help you to discern better. Now, last week's sermon, God used Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth to address those of us having a too low view and loose view of money. Now this week today, God will address those of us having too high view and tight view of money. In our text today, Paul used a biblical principle to help us to have a good understanding and application of giving. Now the principle is of sowing and reaping. Now, through Paul's address, uh, God wants to encourage those having too high a view of money to be cheerful, cheerfully parting, cheerfully giving money to others, especially within God's people, first and foremost. Accordingly, the sermon's big idea is, God loves the cheerful giver sowing and reaping according to the gospel. Now, to be clear, God loves a cheerful giver in verse 7. It's, it's not in the sense that God favors more a cheerful giver than an uncheerful giver. Right? It's not like that. But God is like a father, delighting over a spirited child, right? doing the right thing. God, the father, the perfect father, would not play favoritism, withholding his blessings. Now, having said that, God does bless his children who obey as he sees Now, in this case, God loves the cheerful giver. Now, in our text, God begins with an emphasis on a biblical principle to encourage us to be cheerful givers. Now, accordingly, the outline of the sermon begins with the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. The, the principle comes with a Warning, a negative, and a positive, a blessing. Next, God reveals the benefits of the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. And there are three parties enjoying the tangible benefits in our text. And in the last part of the sermon, God declares He is glorified when His people confess the gospel of Christ through their gracious generosity. And then that would wrap up the four-part sermon series of, uh, on gracious generosity for the past weeks or so. And this can be found, hopefully, in the website if you uh, scroll back, right, in the, um, in the website where the sermons are, okay? In essence, right, the last part of the sermon will address this, the gracious generosity of God's people glorifies Him. Now, let us begin and let us, Break ground, all right. Break ground. Loosen up the soil. Loosen up the soil of our heart with the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Now, after the Apostle Paul gave a very lengthy and what he says superfluous, right? That is extra beyond. Is a very kind of in Cantonese, some of us say "chong but it's not "chong hai." He really wants to express his heart superfluous, right? In the last part, or rather the last, uh, or the first, ch- in chapter 9, verse 1 to 5, all right, that part, he's going the extra mile. He's having this lengthy discourse. Uh, in fact, from chapter 8 to chapter 9, uh, just prior to our text today, he has this very long discourse on gracious generosity. And now, today, finally, he arrives at a foundational biblical principle of giving in verse 6. And and now he says, this, the point is this. The point is this. He is pointing to the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle comes with a warning and a blessing. The idea is not something new that Paul invented. He had most likely derived uh, the idea from Proverbs Chapter 22, verse 8. It is a warning saying, Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the wrought of his fury will fail. Notably, Paul picks that up and, and begins his encouragement to the church to give with a warning in the first part of, uh, of, of verse 6, saying, Whoever sows sparingly, will also read sparingly in other words generally one who gives little it gains little in return now how is that so you may ask you see in god's design and by god's design god would provide a farmer with the grains for his daily bread from the field that he plowed more than that the same grains the farmer would collect from the field are exactly the seeds for sowing and planting uh, for next year's crops. In that sense, God also provides for the farmer his future bread needs or his needs for food, right? Here, it is important to realize that on the one hand, the farmers must decide how much grain that he will eat and enjoy in a single day. And on the other hand, the farmer needs to decide how much grain he will invest back to the land to yield the next harvest and the next crops. So, on the negative side, on the negative form of it, as what Elder Eri would say, on the negative form of it, the little he sows back to the land, the little he will reap in harvest the following year. And here is where Paul then inserts the positive side and the gospel truth to the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. He follows up uh, the warning with a blessing uh, in the second part of verse 6 saying, and whoever sows bountifully reaps, will also reap bountifully. We shouldn't miss it here. He say, and whoever sows bount- bountifully will also reap bountifully. In the Greek, it will have a a sense of future tense very far into the future. Will definitely reap. And that's why it's a biblical principle. In other words, whether you believe it or not, it will happen that way. All right. And the positive side of the principle of sowing and reaping is the more we give, the more we will get from God. And that is generally true. And the more we get, the more we are expected to give. And John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim Progress, he once wrote this. A man there was, and they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. Now, of course, John Bunyan was writing of the Christian to the world such a principle of giving is nonsense but here to Paul it is a reality of the christian life what's more god delights in his children cheerfully giving but it may surprise you that cheerful givers do not consider giving according to what they have or what they uh, what they have being comfortable with. Now, Paul has established earlier that gracious generosity is giving beyond what the giver is comfortable with. Otherwise, it wouldn't be giving out of grace. Forgiving with grace implies absorbing the pain being inflicted. Giving to someone even undeserving. Here, Paul emphasized that gracious generosity is not giving reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, what would what would be the reason a person be reluctant or even having second thought to give? Now, from the text, the reluctance or having a second thought to give may be linked to the lack of resolve. In verse 7, and you can look to the text with me, in verse 7. The text reads that each one has decided. It's literally, and it's, it literally means that as each one has purpose, right? Each one has decided. Literal means each one has purpose. The Greek verb mine mind, mind, found only here in the New Testament is the only. It only exists here in the entire New Testament. It means to choose deliberately. To choose deliberately or in a longer sense, it is to, hey, make up your mind about something. All right? You got the, 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 the sense of, hey, hey, make up your mind. Make up your mind about this. Don't be too minded. Don't be, to, to be thinking so, so much to be hesitant about it. Make up your mind about something. It is a well-known fact that live streaming marketeers on social media kind of play on people's emotions to solicit, uh, solicit buying or contributions. They often end up with buyers or donors who buy or pledge impulsively, but sometimes not deliberate enough to follow through on their impulse purchase or even pledge. Now, this is contrary to what Paul says, that giving is to be based on a calculated decision. It's not a matter to be taken lightly or impulsively. Biblical giving in the church must consider and be motivated by the gospel of Jesus. Christ Jesus planned and administrated His death on the cross God calculated the cost to pay for all His children's sin. Not one of us is spared. He knows each one of us by the hair. Oh, by the way, I don't. Right? I don't have hair now. But I used to have hair. He knows each one of us. He calculated. He calculated the cost to pay for all His children's sin. And Christ Jesus willingly paid with His life. He was not impulsive. He was not a spur of the moment. God, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit has long since agreed by the covenant of redemption planned the payment way beforehand for the sins of God's people with the life of Jesus. It was calculated, it was costly, it was planned, and was paid in full, in full by the blood of Jesus. Paid to atone and redeem God's people like you and I. So that is the good news of Jesus. We were planned, we were conceived, and all of us are wanted right at the beginning of time and even before time. None of us here are by accident. Christ Jesus is gracious and generous, but he was never reluctant. He was never impulsive or compulsive. Compulsion is purely acting out on an emotional influence, basically from others. All right? Kind of others. You see others. Others do this. I also do this. A kind of hurt mentality, if you will. Compulsion is acting out of emotional influence. Others give. So, I also give law without planning or thinking much about the meaning of giving concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our dear beloved and friends, I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about myself. Have I put on the automatic button on monthly offering and I forgot why I gave? Why I gave? Every month every other time the church would need. In essence, for anyone to be a cheerful giver, the giver must have calculated and planned in giving. Likewise, we should think, we should plan, and we should pray for our monthly offering and other offerings to God or other gift offerings to God. We should not be reluctant or compulsive to give at the last minute, the last hour, the last minute, or even the last day of every month. We should not be reluctant or compulsive to give and that must be in us when we know the gospel. The biblical principle of sowing and reaping bountifully should encourage us to give more then we are comfortable. Generally, God benefits the giver, God benefits the recipient, and especially God benefits the church to reap the harvest of gracious generosity. The cheerful giver will have the benefit of, and the scriptures say this, our text say this, have the benefit of all sufficiency in all things, and it at all times, for the good work of gracious generosity. Now, the all here that you hear so many times, all. All in the sense of everything God designs to sustain life. Sufficiency in the sense of adequate with contentment. is right? adequate with contentment. How does the cheerful giver feel contented and enough in all things at all times, you may ask? Now, verse 8 answers that the giver must believe that God is more than able to make all grace abound to the giver. In other words, God is more than able to provide plentifully more than enough to meet the giver. Give us daily needs. Again, we'll do well to be reminded here that God provides plentifully. It's measured in terms of each day rather than what is needed for tomorrow or in the future. Now, to be sure, God is not against planning for the future, all right? Not tomorrow. But the point here is this. Having all this in mind, it should tutor us, our hearts, to depend on God for our everyday needs, each day. And yet, He is gracious to provide more for the giver's future need, Illustrated in verse 10. And an example is a sower, which is the farmer. God provides not only for his immediate physical needs in the form of a harvest of grain for his each day daily need, but also for his future needs in the form of seed for next year's supply, right? Each grain that you open up, right, is food for you. But each grain not open up is a seed to be planted. So dear beloved here, if God we. Ret- if we, God routinely, all right, as in routinely, as in normally, right, ordinarily, God routinely, ordinarily does this for the farmer, and we do have farmers, right, around our region. In fact, Singapore is encouraging more the farmers to do more farming in Singapore, right? You can ask one of my friends, a very good friend, inherited a whole piece of land, and I kind of ask, her, I ask him from time to time about his farming experience. And this is exactly what he says it's true. Like, if, if and he surely is able, and God is surely able to provide more, right? He's surely more than able to do it for us. God supplies our seed and even increases it so that we can be generous on every occasion when required of us. So, in verses 10 and 11, the term generous in Greek indicates. The high moral character with sincerity and open-heartedness. So if you hear the word generous here, right, it is actually of a noble sense. It's a high calling, definitely. It's high moral character with sincerity and open-heartedness. In that case, general signifies open-heartedness with one's possession. And for that reason, the cheerful giver will benefit from an enriched life of open-heartedness. When you give your surpluses to those in need, more than what you need for a single day like today, you will enjoy the freedom from a tight chest and heart pain. And some of us even heart throbbing, right? The pain comes from holding on and squeezing tightly to our possessions of money. Here is the good news for those of us holding tightly to your money. You can be freed from your own clutches on your heart. You can be freed and enjoy the freedom of a cheerful giver. Open your heart. Now, God benefits the cheerful giver with all sufficiency and open-heartedness for the good works of gracious generosity. In turn, God uses the good work to benefit the recipient of such grace. And as a result, the act of gracious generosity produces thanksgiving to God. And how is that so? From chapters 8 and 9, we will know that the churches in Judea were in their Di- De- uh, need, right? In dire sorry. They, they would have been praying that they would receive help from God. They longed for and they prayed for other churches would relieve them of the famine that they were experiencing. And, they were, they, and, and when, they, when they received help from the churches of Corinth, they would have known that God, that God has answered their prayers. And consequently, God increased their faith in Him. How is it like? Imagine this, that you have been walking in the desert without water for three days and your throat is as dry as the sand. and Your lips are cracking from thirst. And then, you know, just a distance away, a camel trader cannot, he come along, he comes along and, and gives you some of his water. Now, wouldn't you uh, be filled with thanksgiving to that camel trader, the giver? But then, you would travel with him for for another two days or so, only to find out that both of you are emptied and have emptied the water bottle before reaching a town to refill your supplies. Now, though you will be empty and thirsty for, say, another days of travel, wouldn't your heart be filled and even overflowing with thanksgiving to the giver who suffers with you. That's gracious and truly gracious generosity. That the giver would suffer with the recipient. That's our God. Our Christ who suffered with us while He was on earth. And God benefits the recipient with a heart of gratitude and faith. And God benefits not only the giver and the individual recipient of one church, but He also benefits many churches involved in this gospel project to relieve the churches of Judea from the famine. Now, there are two uh, benefits to the church as a whole. When I say church, it's like the larger church. Three three regions, right? Uh, Judea, Macedonian, and then you have Achaia, where the Church of Corinth is. There are twofold benefits. Firstly, the benefit of increased confidence and dependence on God's grace for the church. They will increase their confidence in God's ministry by working together. They will grow their dependence on God for the success of the relief mission. They were a lot. uh, there were a lot of things, in fact, uh, if you have not uh, realized uh, in our time, uh, is this, during back those days, there were a lot of things that would have gone wrong. Uh, there, there may be accounting issues with the collections, right? Because not all of them are financial experts. In fact, last sermon, I have pointed out that the three-man team appointed, uh, all of them are experts in different ways, but perhaps not financial experts. Yet, they were The team appointed Titus and two other brothers. So there may be accounting issues. There may be manpower issues because three-man team won't, you know, how are they going to collect and distribute everything, right, to the whole entire region of Judea. There may be relational issues. So the three-man team is not perfect. They are still sinners, yet saints called by God. You know, right, when you put two percent together, you multiply the amount of sins When you interact with one another. So, three persons, relational issues they would have faced. And then we have, lastly, not within the internal issues, they will have to face the external issues. On those days, or in those days, they will have faced potential bandits in their travels. So, imagine if somebody tipped off uh, that this three man team is carrying tons and loads of money. Right, traveling from Achaia up to Macedonia and then down to Judea. is a very long journey, by the way. Usually, they will travel by the sea, right? Uh, and if they do travel by this route, by, by land, they will face bandits, surely. There are valleys, dark valleys, there are nights, many, many days of travel, they will face bandits. But if they choose by the sea route, they will face the storms. They will face even internal strife, the the shipwreck and all that. Paul is very familiar with shipwrecks. In fact, three of them are experienced. And God preserved his life. So there are lots of things that have gone wrong. The churches, everybody working together, we have been praying for them. And they needed to depend on God's wisdom and protection. their success not just for one local church for the success of the entire church throughout the region so that's the first benefit increased confidence and dependence on god's grace for the church by and large secondly the benefit to the church as a whole is bringing many churches relationship closer and here is the key to the urgency of paul's appeal to the church of corinth For the most part, the recipients were conservative Christian Jews who still regard the Christian Gentiles in Corinth with a certain amount of fear and even suspicion. For the Christian Jews, the collection proves that the Christian Gentiles' profession of faith. In this case, the gift collection served as a litmus test. By which the Gentiles' faith is shown to be genuine. All right. And Paul anticipates that the relief mission will impact the whole church praying for the Corinthians. So the Jews would have been praying for the Gentile Corinthians. And so that will be forging a closer fellowship and relationship between the Jewish recipients and. The Gentiles give us. Now, what you're seeing here is a most beautiful picture. You must remember the Jewish people and the Gentiles, they never, never got along, right? Almost forever until Christ came to unite them. And here the Jewish people praying for the Corinthians, showing their heart of humility and meekness that they need their brothers who are different from them. And the Gentiles, though the Jewish people might be, you know, not so easy to get along with. The Gentiles giving to them is a sign of they receive the good news of Jesus Christ, acknowledging that the gospel came from the Jews first and foremost. So you see, here is a beautiful display of relationship being brought closer with the simple and uh, not simple, a rather complex project of collecting and giving of gift to one another. And when the relief mission is successful, God will get all the glory. The giver, the recipient and the whole church of Jesus Christ will glorify God as they experience all the benefits. And here is the last point of the sermon: The gracious generosity of God's people glorifies him. Now verse 9 says that God distributed his lavish provision freely and his generous with or to the poor and when god's people give to those in need among them with gracious generosity they prove that god's righteousness is true now the righteousness of god here is taken to mean his covenantal loyalty the righteousness of god here has the sense of his faithfulness to all his people as evidence in his watchful care over the poor and active generosity towards them. If verse 8 taught God is powerful enough to make the church of Corinth overflow with generosity, then verse 9 teaches that God will not abandon the poor among God's people. He will not abandon God's people but remain true to them. Because God is both powerful and He's and faithful, both to the rich and the poor. They are set free to be generous to one another. And consequently, God is glorified. When God's promise of provision and supply is, uh, is fulfilled among His people, God is glorified the people will not just be filled up with thanksgiving but like the one who was thirsting in the desert knowing christ has suffered that god knows our suffering has suffered with us there will be an overflowing with thanksgiving to god and he is glorified god is glorified felt Experience when his people live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Christians give to those in need individually with gracious generosity, we testify Christ's gospel it is real, it is tangible. Equally important, the second part of verse 13 reminds us that when we submit to God's larger plan for his churches and not just our church. We testify uh, Christ's gospel, Jesus' good news, is truly good and excellent universally. When I say universally, I'm thinking along the line of the Apostles' Creed, universally uh, Catholic, All right, in a sense of God's common goodness, common grace, and His general revelation of goodness, of the good news to all. It's truly good. And, excellent so what began in free and unconditional sacrificial gracious generosity will grow in thankfulness and longing the fellowship within the household of faith the israel of god in which there can be neither jew nor the greek because all are one in christ jesus so here is a broader sweep of this passage that hints to ultimately God's indescribable gift. And that indescribable gift can only be the gracious Christ Jesus himself. though rich, himself to make the poor rich. Jesus Christ is the divine gift We should inspire all giving and all gifts. When Christians give graciously and generously, sowing bountifully to individuals or sowing bountifully to churches in need, we emphasize the good news of Christ and Christ is the inexpressible gift. Inexpressible in the sense of beyond ordinary, more than words can say. There was a song, I think, some time back. More than words can say, can describe, all right? More than words can say, truly. It's a deep down, inexpressible gratitude and even love. And it's a growing sense, inexpressible, it's a growing sense of experiencing the goodness of gospel. A, a growing realization of the goodness of God. Why? Because God is Himself indescribable, unmeasurable, and limitless. Notably, we will reap bountifully the experience of God's goodness in His endless and bountiful provision for His people and His church. Again, Catholic, universal. Coming to the end of the sermon, one question remains and it should have hung over our heads after hearing the series of sermons of gracious generosity from chapters 8 and 9. This question is, was Paul's appeal to the Church of Corinth successful in the end? According to Acts chapter 20, which I also preach, suggests that Paul's appeal was successful in fact, the author, uh, Dr. Luke, tell us that Paul made his announced third visit to the Corinth, and then he stayed there for three months. Now, the length of his visit suggests that he received a really welcome, right? Now, yeah, if, if you go to one place, uh, if, you, if one place don't welcome you, you wouldn't stay even for maybe the next day, right? But Paul stayed for three months, And that says a lot that the matters were in order regarding the Corinthians' contribution to the relief fund. More evidently, that Paul's appeal to the Church of Corinth here was successful when Paul admits as much in Romans chapter 15 saying this, Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Macedonia who gave us Achaia, that's where the Church of Corinth was in, or the Churches of Corinth was in. So Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. The mission was successful. And so the Corinthians not only came around under the rebuke and discipline, of the Apostles Paul and the larger church body, the Church of Corinth was revitalized because of their giving, because of their outward action of gracious generosity. They became lively when they received the teaching of God's Word in view of the Gospel of Christ. And accordingly, they received great encouragement from the Apostle Paul, the disciples and all the other churches. Moreover, they will be incredibly encouraged and cheerful when they experience God's goodness of sowing and reaping bountifully. Dear beloved and friends, may we also be encouraged to become cheerful givers of our Lord Jesus Christ with our Lord. Jesus Christ. And this...